with your powers combined, we are fan holes. Go, go, go fan can't believe there's a chat room big enough to hold all of our present bodies. Wow. <laughs> of all the things I missed about the show, I miss Tony being wrong always. We've already got a me. We don't need another me. <laughs> oh boy, a Bashir episode. <laughs> uh, ah yes, Derek. Lover of lobster women. Defender of Starfire's fidelity. I just want to know, who is the consultant? <laughs> no, I have no eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can relate to a, a talking cat that eats lasagna. I'll okay. do it, but I want to be immediately killed afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, in your Derek lair, do you have a list of that tells you like how to take down the other fan holes? Should we like go crazy? <laughs> how does my stupid voice sound? You sound beautiful. Like ten times sexier. Good job. No one gets us because we don't explain it. Hey guys, welcome back to another spacey Final Frontier episode of Fanholes Podcast. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight. And joining me tonight is one of my fellow Fanholes. Why don't you give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, I am the carbon unit known as Justin. Unit. Yeah, we, we actually I wanna I wanna talk about that later, but but yeah, I'm not gonna I'm gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil the lead or, or bury the lead uh, as they say. But but what we are here to discuss tonight, me and Justin have just seen all 15 episodes of the first season of Star Trek Discovery. We we had always intended, I think, to discuss it at some point, and I think I left it up to Justin on exactly when we were gonna do that, and I think. You were kind of of the opinion we should wait until we saw, you know, the whole kitten caboodle and then talk about it. And since it had just recently wrapped up as of this recording, and while it's hopefully still fresh in our minds, like we, we thought we'd get together and discuss it. And of course, this is this is kind of going to be a, a traditional fan holes podcast. I ain't synopsizing shit. We're just going to talk <laughs> about this motherfucker. So if you haven't yeah. seen it, you know, be forewarned. We're, we're going to be bouncing all over the place and talking about whatever comes to mind then there there will be spoilers so uh, you know if you haven't seen it and you don't intend to and you just want to listen to us bs you know carry on uh, if if you plan on seeing it later you know maybe maybe turn this off go watch it and then come back and listen to the rest of this but but after this point i think we're just gonna i, I think we're gonna get into the nitty-gritty and and spoilers be damned and 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 so forth yeah i don't know like i i i'm not exactly sure where to start it seems like this series had been in I don't want to call it development hell, but it feels like we had been waiting for it for a really long time. You know, there were We'd all been these waiting forever. Yes, yes. Where it's like it's like it's kind of hard to believe it. It's finally here, and yeah. and we've seen the whole thing because of how much pre-production news slash I, I don't know what you'd call it, but creative hiccups occurred along the way. You know, like that. I, I feel like you kind of have to talk about all that preamble before you even get to talking about the show, because it seems like there was so much, I don't know, not necessarily anticipation, but it, it, it seemed like every time you turned around and, and I think the Star Trek fans were hoping for a bit of fun, new information about a franchise they loved, you know, considering it was returning to TV and all this other kind of stuff, you'd always get kind of like a monkey wrench thrown into the mix with that. Like where you're like, 
people were jonesing for for something new and something you know new star trek related and and it was almost like well we know this series is coming like are you going to throw us a bone and then when you'd get like the news there'd be you know the bone but it's laced with like arsenic or something you know or you'd be like ah like what you know like like is this is this going to be totally like a big train wreck? Is this going to be any good? So I, I, I think it seemed like a lot of people had a lot of trepidation going into the series. All I can say is without, you know, without spoiling anything you know, as far as, you know, a preamble, like I, I can appreciate people's decisions if, if they don't want to check this out and they're not too into it. But I was, I, I'll just go to bat for the show in general, and say, I was happy to have a Star Trek show on the air and something that I can watch. And, you know, I'll get into my my criticisms and opinions and, and, and things I think about the series, but I, I will say, just in general and overall... I, I was just kind of happy to have a Star Trek show on the air, and and I think I did enjoy it. Like I, I'm not gonna say I hate this show. Like I don't. I I actually really do enjoy it. But I'm kind of curious. Like where do you fall on the spectrum of this, Justin? Like were you? Did you have your own sort of trepidation before the series started, and and maybe just you know as a, a generalization, like where where do you land on it now that you've seen the first season? Well, when the series was announced, like, I was pretty optimistic because it was going to be produced by Brian Fuller. And, you know, he had worked and written, uh, he had worked on uh, Star Trek Voyager, and he had written several episodes. And, you know, I like some of his previous series, like Pushing Daisies and Wonder Falls and Hannibal. Like, I really enjoyed Hannibal. So I was like, okay, I could see this guy, you know, doing his own thing with Star Trek. And, you know, he has cred, like, he's worked on Star Trek before. So I was pretty positive. And then he kind of like went by the wayside because he was like still working on American Gods and he kind of like, you know, he, he left the picture like pretty early on. I was like, oh, this is, what's this going to be now? Like, I don't know. You know, I kind of felt like you were on shaky ground. And then I guess the whole like, you know, you know, the whole idea of it being set between Enterprise and the original series you know 10 years before the original series like i was i think that's the one thing that kind of gave me pause i was like i i don't know like are we gonna like are we gonna run into like young kirk and spock at some point like what what stories can you tell in this um this particular instance in the trek universe and you know it's funny, you mentioned this the other day when we were kind of talking all fair, you know, the the fact that you were just kind of happy to have Star Trek back in your life on a regular basis. And, you know, I kind of got to thinking about that. I was like, you know, that's a good thing to, to point out because we've been we've been without a Star Trek series since Enterprise. And, you know, we had the three Abrams films and those are good for what they are. But I think a lot of fans would agree Star Trek is best when it's just a television series because when you make a movie you always have the larrys who say oh, we gotta appeal to like a mass audience you know we can't do like you know quantum alternate realities and all this other like wackiness that star trek gets involved because average joe blow taking his lady on a date like they're not gonna understand that shit so you gotta like appeal to the mass audiences 
so I think I've been thinking about this for a while too. Like, what do I think about this show? Like, how do I feel about it? I think in the beginning, like I was pretty negative about it. And if you go and read some of my posts, like that is pretty clear. I think, I think once they got into the mirror universe, I started to kind of warm up to it. I was like, okay, the mirror universe, like that's, that could be fun. Like whenever they go to the mirror universe, that's, that's usually fun. And that, like, you've got my attention. And I think the more I kind of like let go of some of my, like, I don't know, hardcore trick nerd stuff. I, I think I kind of like started to enjoy the show a bit more, which I still have problems with, you know, certain nerd stuff and cer certain other things with the show. But I think I do kind of like it. <laughs> and that's kind of, that's kind of weird to say because I was pretty, pretty vocal in my kind of, this is not what Star Trek should be. And I still kind of feel that way. I mean, it's weird. I, I do feel like some of the like network, executive larry's were like oh we gotta do our own streaming thing larry like w what do we got laying around uh well we got this star trek thing it's been laying around for a long time larry that's great larry okay now larry what are the kids into well larry the kids are into this game of thrones and walking dead stuff that's great larry that's great we'll take star trek we'll bring it back to life we'll put it on the internet and we'll make it like these popular shows like we'll have like some violence in it and we're, we're gonna have titties in it larry we're gonna have like klingon titties and it's gonna be great it's gonna be on the internet and all the kids are gonna love it like I, that's, <laughs> that's that's the audience i really think that they're appealing to i mean of course there there is stuff in it for the long time trek fans and there's a lot of like nods and in jokes and things that you could point to and be like well only a super like trek nerd would even pick up on that but i do kind of feel like they're appealing to I guess like the new next newest generation of fans maybe like the you know millennial fans they like you know they want to get them involved into in, into Star Trek and I guess the other thing that it like was driving me crazy and is still driving me crazy is like the look of the show and I don't mean the way it's shot or anything because I think I think the visuals the way the show looks like that all looks great like it looks fantastic but the design of everything, the aesthetic, like it does not look like it could take place at all 10 years before Kirk because you have these ships that look way more advanced than the original series Enterprise. They've got like holographic communications, which that's something like Chief O'Brien played around with in Deep Space Nine, and they, he kind of gave up on that. So I'm just like, well, this doesn't make any sense. And they've got all these like heads up displays and they're like throwing around their little like info data from one console to the next and and all this stuff. And I'm just like, there, there's no way this can take place at 10 years. It doesn't make sense. You don't go from this level of technology, like you don't downgrade to buttons and switches and a computer that prints out a little sheet of paper. Like that's you don't do that. And I was like trying to jump through hoops in my head to like, explain it. I was like, well, maybe there was like a security flaw in their heads-up display and their holograph shit, and they like, you know, the Klingons exploited it and they had to like get rid of it. I was like, I could kind of see that, but then it still it doesn't explain a lot of stuff. But but like I said, I think the more episodes I watched, I started to kind of let go of some of that. And then you know, spoilers. 
when the Enterprise showed up in the last episode and it looked different, I was like, okay, well, this has to be some sort of like offshoot timeline because the the Enterprise, it still looks like the Enterprise, but it just has like a lot more detail and the warp nacelles look more like the nacelles from like Archer's Enterprise. I was like, well, okay, well, this is like timeline 2.1 or something. So that kind of like, that kind of did it for me. I was like, okay, this is different. So I'm going to like stop jumping through hoops to try and explain like ultra level Star Trek nerd shit. You know, you know, what's interesting that you, when you, when you say you're, you know, you're mentally jumping hoops in your head to try to make continuity line up. Like when they did the jump to the mirror universe and then they were going to jump back and and when they jumped back, it was like, oh, we're losing the war, we're this and that. Like, I sincerely thought, like, maybe they were going to use the spore drive to somehow, you know how they overshot, like, their time frame? Like, they, they were, they were going to try to return exactly when they left, and, and they overshot it by nine months. Like, when they said that, I thought not only would they try to jump again and get back to where they were before the Klingons had overrun, like, most of the Federation and everything. But I, I thought, you know, I was trying to jump through hoops in my head thinking, like, oh, well, maybe when they use that spore drive, it'll, like, crap out and every Like, to me, like, you know how you talk about the holograms don't make sense to you? Like, even though that spore drive is, like, a vital piece of the story and plot and, and drives most of the rising action throughout the course of the entire season, like, that in and of itself, like, doesn't compute to me as, like, a, a you know, a, a Star Trek continuity-minded fan, you know, where I'm like, I'm like, they didn't have no fucking spore drives. <laughs> you know, like, like that's, yeah. that's, that's why, like, and, and so I was trying to rationalize, like, oh, well, if it's just this one prototype and they basically use up all their power by the end of the first season, then, then, uh, then I'm okay with it. Cause I'm like, oh, well, they, they just couldn't recapture that technology again you know so I, I was trying to come up with ways where they can you know like you're saying you mentally jump through these continuity hoops where you're like oh can you can you get rid of that like somehow can you say it was just you know it was it was a one-time thing but then they they basically used up this prototype technology only not to be able to recreate it but then once they had Stamets you know go to the planet and they you know can I cook or can I cook? And he, you know, <laughs> fucking throws the spore onto the planet. And now they got a whole planet full of spores. I'm like, oh, well, fuck, they're never going to run out of them now. You know, like, like they got a whole planet of these fucking things. I mean, unless, you know, I don't know, unless Takuvma comes back to life and like, you know, farts a nuclear bomb on the planet or something, you know, like <laughs> something like that happens. But, you know, otherwise I'm like, oh, they got a whole planet of these fucking things. So they're, you know, it's like that. I, I guess, you know, to me, it's like th those kind of things are just not going to go away probably. So you might as well just give up that, you know, it's it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, are the Klingons going to start like growing beards and long hair again? It's like, you might as well give up that fight because you're not yeah. Like that that's not a fight you're ever going to win. Like you, like you you either have like you say you either have to sort of let some of that shit go and just kind of enjoy it for what it is. I mean cuz you know and for me it's like it's kind of like interesting you say oh, well they're trying to appeal to the the newer generation this this younger demographic cuz they're going to be around a lot longer than we will and yeah. potentially support 
this franchise and series and all that stuff with their money, you know, their dollars, right? And so I'm sitting there going, okay, well, yeah, that's true, right? They've got this this largely diverse cast, you know, they've got all these different characters and everything like that. And, you know, I can't say that... I'll just be as polite as I can, but, you know, it's like, just because the cast is diverse doesn't necessarily make it good. Now, having said that, there are characters in this cast I like a great deal. There are some characters I look at and go, I don't know that they did anything worthwhile with those characters. They're just there to be there, you know? Mm. So it's like, it's like, like, like that sequence at the end where they all stand up sort of in unison and they're like, we are Starfleet, like, and, and, and do that kind of goofy ass thing. And I'm just kind of like, well, one, I'm not, I mean, look, I get what it means. I understand it's like they're, they're kind of going to the philosophy of, nobody dies today and you know all this kind of stuff and and that there's a better way to do things other than have this you know long drawn out war and all this kind of stuff but then what's interesting about it is at least this show like as much as as maybe some of those themes might great on my nerves it's like it's not like they don't show the alternative too because i think like like Lorel, like that's a really kind of strange and perverse and scary character to me but she says things to me that are very insightful like like that sequence where she says there is no end to this war you know like like how do we stop you how do we how do we end the war and she says there is no end you you either conquer us or we keep fucking fighting and and i think that's very true of the dynamic there because it, it you know ultimately even though they found their quote unquote humane solution to this scenario and and conceivably it might be pleasing to those contingent of fandom that would prefer that Star Trek not be about depressing shit and war like conceivably the next season they can go off and actually fill the mandate of the fucking title and go out and discover shit because as far as I know besides the spore drive and the cool little spore alien dude they did not really discover a whole shitload of shit in this first season. So conceivably next season, they might go out and be able to discover shit. Cause we're not dealing with war. We're not dealing with like Michael Burnham, you know, feeling sorry for herself and all this stuff that Shaniqua green is, is probably more than qualified to portray given her stint in the walking dead. You know, like, like I think there that's probably one of the reasons why they cast her was because she had the chops to do all these different things, like have a, have a relationship with someone on the crew, but then also kind of be reserved and, and dealing with lots of emotional issues. And they have the whole backstory about how the Klingons, you know, made her an orphan. And then she's dealing with all this Vulcan versus human type scenarios and emotions versus logic and, and, and all those kind of things. And, you know, it's, it's like, I, I think by the end of it, I was kind of like, okay, like she, she went through some bad places, but she came out the other end of it. So I'd be willing to watch another season with her as, you know, commander, you know, and, and, you know, running around and actually doing what she did. I think it was in that fourth episode where that spore, uh, you know, I don't know what the alien name was, but you know, the spore monster basically, right? Like, and that, right. that episode to me was the most, like, if people are into this for the exploration aspect and the discovery aspect, you know, like, if that's what they think Star Trek is about, you know, you know, space, the final frontier, you know, 
new galaxies, you know, explore what is in the unknown. Like, I, I think that was the closest episode to sort of the, the Roddenberry motion picture mandate, I guess you'd say, you know, as it would come to. And, and you know, it, it kind of pains me to say this because I, I'm kind of more of the, like, I usually enjoy stuff, you know, whether it's Gundam or you know, the, the, like, fourth to seventh season of Deep Space Nine, where, you know, people are embroiled in this long-term war-type scenario. Like, I, I really enjoy the hell out of those things. And it's, you know, I, I, but I, I can also understand the contingent of fandom that is kind of like, you know, Star Trek's not about war, it's not about being dark and depressing and, and all this other kind of stuff. But, you know, for me, it's like, it's, it's kind of funny because I think, you know, you talked about how you sort of got into it once they introduced the aspect of the mirror universe into it. And, you know, for me, that's always been something where I was like, man, does the mirror universe do stuff right or does it do stuff right? Because, like, you actually... And, and you know, for me, it's like you actually get kind of excited and engaged because it's like there's a there's a element to it that's like a power trip fantasy and there's an element to it where everything's a little more you know it's just a little more sexier it's just a little more like like kind of on you know skirting the edge you know where you're like people are you know a little more vicious and they're a little more you know kind of kind of sly and, and 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 you've got that aspect that you talked about that the larry's like the whole backstabbing Game of Thrones aspect where everybody's got to watch their back and do that kind of thing. And and I, I started thinking about that that conversation that we had off air about, you know, because you, you specifically mentioned this when we were talking about it, that this show is set between Star Trek Enterprise and the original series. And, like, I don't know that I ever thought of it that way before. Like, like I, I was kind of thinking, like, oh, this is ten years before the original series and nothing really lines up. But when you throw in that, like, Enterprise thing to the mix, and they've mentioned, like, some Enterprise... You know, there, there were some little nods and, and kind of Easter eggs that, that dealt with Enterprise-type stuff. And, and I remember we were talking to Tony the other night, and, I mean, it, it's... It's it's a very it's not a strong tie and it, it probably doesn't make any sense because Hoshi Sato is Japanese and Giorgio is is from China. So there there's literally like really no connection to those two characters at all. But I, I remember him bringing up the fact that, oh yeah, remember in that, you know, the Mirror Mirror episode for Enterprise, like Hoshi was basically the Emperor by the end of it. You know, so it's it's I guess, you know, for me, like there's some thread of continuity between this show and Enterprise, and I, I think somebody like say, you know, when 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 uh, when Mike and um, what's his face on on Red Letter Media get together and talk about it again, Mike and Rich, when they get together and talk about it again, I'm sure to them that might be a derogatory thing where it's like, well, we've seen an Asian lady be an emperor before. It's nothing new. You know, but I, I guess for me, I was thinking of it as, well, maybe there's some kind of 
consistency in that or, or familiarity or whatever. Like, who knows? Maybe it's like, it's like, oh, uh, you know, a badass, you know, Asian lady is emperor. I clapped. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm, maybe I'm easily manipulated like that. But I, I, I and, and the, the, the other thing, like, I'm sorry, before I forget and, and finish my thought on that, like, and then I'll let you say whatever it is that you're thinking of, but for, for Michelle Yeoh, like, I, you know, when they re revealed her comeback as the the mirror Giorgio, you know, and and that she was the emperor of the Terran Empire, like I, I kind of feel like you know how like Cisco never felt quite comfortable in his own skin until he like did the whole you know Hawk from Spencer for Hire thing, like when he <laughs> finally like shaved his head and had the goatee, and then you, you could feel like dude he was. Finally, he was, like, comfortable in his own skin. He's like, I'm Captain Sisko. And you're like, oh, dude, he, he feels like himself now. He doesn't feel like he's trying to to be something that he's he doesn't quite fit into, you know? Like, I, I always kind of got that vibe when he tried to, like, you know, show up as Commander Sisko and he didn't have the goatee and he, and he had a full head of hair instead of a, a shaved head. And when he finally did all that, I felt like, oh, he's finally, like, embraced the role, but he also feels comfortable in the role and part of that was making it his own and 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 sometimes that's a physical thing and sometimes it's not but all i was going to say to finish my thought about Giorgio is when she was the mirror Giorgio, i felt like she was better and not just because i think like oh it's cool that she was like you know she wanted to go mess around with like orion slave people and have a menage a trois and you know kill people and talk crap to saru and and all this kind of other stuff it's not just that it's just like as an actress it's like it seemed like she had more fun being you know malicious and malevolent and 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 she kind of got into it a little more and and like i kind of liked that she was, I don't know, she seemed more into it. So I guess just to finish my thought, like, again, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where it's like, I kind of liked her coming back because she seemed more comfortable in that role than she did as, as I guess, the, the quote-unquote real, quote-unquote, good Giorgio. You know, like that, that the, 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 the one from, from the, the main universe. I guess it's also a thing for you where they're, you know, they they take they check that box of uh, sexy evil sentai lady too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's there's <laughs> there, there's those aspects to it where where they've got those. You know, they they, they seem well. You know, and, and that's the other thing. The, the what you're talking about, like the look of the show, like or or the look of the the history of Star Trek. I guess, like you know, the the idea that there there are when 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 Jadzio runs around dressed up with the go go boots and the the short skirts and the the little 60s beehive and everything it's like oh you know it's like hey that's kind of sexy you know like that kind of thing and it's like you know to some people it's like I, I that probably wouldn't play too well with the the audience they're trying to capture right so they're not going to go and do a retro thing they're not going to recreate the original tardis bridge or whatever and try to to play up to nostalgia they're not going to do a you know the Roger Zemeckis Ben Sisko interacts with Captain Kirk on this exact replica of the 60s bridge but but they are going to play with the idea that I guess George Joe like even I, I know this is funny to say but like when she first shows up on that show George Joe is kind of this straight-laced by the book 
you know, she's got, you know, military regulation, you know, the whole Savic thing going on, her hair's tied behind her, her back and all this other stuff. When she shows up on the Terran Empire, her hair's not tied behind her back. And even, even when they bring her onto the ship and they do that whole shady thing of like, oh, guess what? She didn't really die after all. Like, she's just fine, even though most of the crew knows it's really the, the mirror Giorgio and not the really for reals, you know, lost captain or whatever. Like, even when they brought her back, it's like her, her, her hairstyle, like she had that little braid of hair that kind of flickered out and it's like they put a little more makeup on her and it was just kind of like, it was like, it was like just enough so that it's like, it's like she was just a little dangerous, you know, just a little more sexy, even though she was confined by that, that kind of submarine enterprise error uniform where it's just this kind of, this kind of blue sort of asexualized uniform, you know, whereas, you know, the mirror stuff, it's like gold and shiny and, you know, I mean, you know, I'm looking at your avatar now and it's like even, even Tilly, who, who I think is uh, an embarrassment to special needs people all over the world, like even her, she, she is played up and, and they try to glamorize her much more when she's wearing that outfit, but, you know. I, I guess I sort of re- revealed my hand, but I, I don't care too much for Tilly. But yeah. Do you mind if I rant a little bit more about the look of the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do. Okay. So you read all these like tweets and quotes uh, from the producers and writers and everyone behind the show, and they they always talk about how much they love and admire and, and respect the original series and blah blah blah. And I feel like they're just embarrassed. By the look of the original series. Because, you know, Doctor Who is, you know, whatever you think of Stephen Moffat, forget that. They are not afraid on that show of how things looked in the 60s. Just recently, we've had the original Mondasian Cybermen, you know, the Cybermen with like the cloth right, face. Like, right. They came back and it was awesome. And we've seen the first Doctor in his interior of his TARDIS. And it looked great. But I feel like they're just embarrassed by the look of the original series. And I, I should probably stop reading things on Twitter because it just irritates me. But, like, there was a tweet, and I, I don't have it in front of me. I wish I had. But, like, basically someone asked the produce, one of the producers. His name was Ted Sullivan. He asked the guy why Discovery looked so different from the original series. And he basically said – you're seriously not asking me why we're not modeling ourselves after a cheap 60s sci-fi show? And that really just kind of graded me the wrong way because, like, the original series, it looks cheap to us. At the time, it was not cheap to make. And I get that they want to, like, put their own stamp on Star Trek and, you know, leave their mark and all this stuff. But, like, more and more, and especially after having seen the Enterprise show up at the end, I feel like they're just kind of embarrassed by the ships and the uniforms and everything from the original series i i I don't don't know i don't know how you feel about all that i well let me let me try to put it in perspective and maybe it's not something that's occurred to you and and i feel like i'm like i'm gonna share a secret with you even though it's not a secret but i'm gonna share a secret with the listening audience and everything you know how well all the marvel movies are doing like Mm -hmm. hollywood hates that 
They fucking <laughs> hate it. Like, you see how Spielberg and all these other guys come out and go, oh, gee whiz, like, that's too bad that the lowest common denominator, blah, 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 and all this other fucking bullshit. Like, they can't stand it. They, they It's like, oh, it's so homogenized, and this and that and the other thing. That was the kind of stuff they fucking turned their nose up at. Comic books? Are you fucking serious? Just like that guy in the tweet. Like, just like him kind of going... Uh, are you kidding? Are you seriously asking me why I didn't model my great artistic ideas after a a 60s antiquated, quote-unquote, cheap television series? Like, wh- what's interesting is there's a difference, and I'll try to get it back on topic, but there's a difference between when they remade the Ice Warrior in the Capaldi episodes... Mm-hmm. And when they remade the Klingon for this show, right? And, oh yeah, and yeah. it's like it's like that's the best way I can sort of describe that. It's like it's like the the thing with the Klingon was oh well we have to we have to put our mark on it. We have to make it totally different from the original Klingon that has come out before continuity and 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 whatnot be damned like we we need to we need to brand this in its own way and separate it from the original stuff even though we're still trying to it's like they're trying to have the best of both worlds have their cake and eat it too you know it's like we want to appeal to anybody who liked the original 60s series even though i bet you according to that guy on twitter all those people are dead so who cares right and then, you know, beyond that, they'd want to appeal to people who enjoyed, you know, the next gen, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, the Abrams movies, etc. right? And so they're trying to do that, but at the same time, they're also trying to say, well, guess what? I, I can make something better than those. Like, I can do something greater than that or whatever and you know that, that I, I i think that's the kind of i i don't know i to, to me it's like that's that's to me that's the secret is like there's, there's a lot of arrogance that goes into doing a lot of projects like this and and you know even though as a fan you may be very passionate and love whatever it is that you're passionate about you know you may love certain genres of films you may love you know comic books you may love video games and all that other stuff but uh you know or transformers or whatever the fuck it is right but there's a certain you know subsect where it's like the those kind of things for the longest time were were relegated to weekday afternoon cartoons and Saturday morning cartoons and, and, and there was always that hierarchy of things where, where film was the echelon and then TV was looked as shit below that and TV cartoons were, I mean if you, if you ask somebody what they did and what their job was, if you if you wrote screenplays, well you were, you know, king shit or whatever if you wrote for TV, you were a little below that and you were kind of looked down upon. If you wrote for fucking TV cartoons, if you wrote GoBots, like, nobody, you know, nobody was going to look at you and be like, oh, dude, you wrote GoBots. You know, like, they they were going to look down on you. So there's, there's like a certain, and it's weird because a lot of these things now have been getting blurred, you know, because of the way technology changes and because of the, the, the money that's spent on different projects and everything. I mean, like you're saying, the look that you're talking about, the continuity-minded stuff and the, the visualizations and artistic interpretations. But, but you, you can tell 
that they poured a lot of money into this television series. This yeah. television series is on the level of, you know, a feature film week to week, right? So so it, it it's trying to take that Game of Thrones model where it's like you get this film quality narrative week after week and that's why it's only 10 or 15 episodes a season because they, they you know there's no way you can afford to do that for 22 or 26 episodes you know you you'd have to make certain exceptions you'd have to make certain things look shitty and in some ways you're like thinking well you know that probably actually you, you would think would make for a more concise and, and better story. You know, they don't have to come up with dumb filler episodes where, you know, Sam and Dean, you know, I don't know, trip on a fucking banana peel and go <laughs> to the, the universe with like, you know, I don't know, farty lunch bag ladies or whatever. And it's like, wait, what does this have to do with like the main plot? Like no, nothing, but we need like, you know, 22 episodes a season. So you got to have that sort of non, I don't know, mythology, non, you know, a plot episode or whatever. And it's like, there, there weren't too many of those in this. I, I'd say the, the closest one that comes to mind is, you know, maybe the Harry Mud episode, which it, it's interesting because when, when you start dealing with those things and you, you sort of already, you know, talked about the, you know, the ending, you know, to this season where it's like, oh shit, the, you know, they meet the Enterprise. Like, oh, okay. You know, and it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you do start to think like, well, what's that going to be like? Like there, there is that, gnawing continuity gremlin in the back of my head that always like flips the fuck out when we see Sarek or when we see Harry Mud, you know, like where I'm just like, that's not Harry Mud, you know, like, like those kind of things that like go through my head. But it's like, sometimes I just kind of try to get past that. Cause it's like, we've seen a different number of Sarek's, a different number of Vulcan interpretations and everything. And, and I was kind of thinking about what you were saying before about how a movie audience or, well, I guess that that would be true, but how a movie audience can't necessarily handle what the TV audience can, or at least that the, 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 the storytelling narrative for Star Trek on TV allows you to dovetail into things that are not necessarily of the epic stakes that they want all these feature films slash blockbusters to be. You know, it, it it's like you don't have to have, you know a you don't have to have a sore on every week on a Star Trek television series. You know, you don't you don't have to have the Borg Queen every week on on a Star Trek television series. You know, you don't you don't have to have those epic jungle gym fights that are going to decide like the fate of the universe or whatever, right? And so like m my thought and it was like I was thinking about this too is like, you know, it, it's like one of those things where it's like first contact is like a movie that's like widely regarded by, or at least to me, it seemed like it was by the everyman. Like, like even if people didn't like Star Trek, they got a kick out of first contact. Like they thought it was a cool movie, you know, K-E-W-L or whatever. But, you know, there, there, but there's, there's that other aspect where, you know, you've got, you know, we were talking to Gene Hendricks the other night, you know, and it's like, I'm not going to say it's never occurred to me either. And it's like, I think, I think, you know, Mike on Red Letter Media is the same thing where when he reviewed First Contact, it was like one of those things where he ripped it apart, you know? And, it, and it's like, it's interesting that like those movies are sort of, tailor-made for 
that audience you were talking about. You know, the, the kind of audience that can handle it or, or that, that wants to just turn their brain off and be entertained and, and have a basic, you know, it's like, oh, Picard good, Borg bad. You know, like, let them, you know, fight, and, and that's the end of it. And it's like, you know, I, I remember, you know, even when, when I saw that, you know, you know, even, you know, discounting Zephram Cochran doesn't look like the same guy he looked like in Metamorphosis. Even discounting that, like, like my whole thing was, well, wait a minute, like, Picard hated the Borg, and then he had the episode with Hugh. And I'm like, I always kind of thought like he sort of dealt with that on the show, you know, like they, they had him deal with it. He, he, he made his decision then, like if he was going to go crazy Ahab and be this kind of, you know, Moby Dick guy, he would have sent Hugh back to blow up the Borg then and, and would not have stopped, you know? And, and because it was a TV narrative, it gave him the opportunity to be like, I'm going to contemplate. I'm going to sit here and, and have a, a, you know, moral dilemma and wrestle with, with, you know, my two, you know, the, 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 the God and devil within me and, and decide how I want to fall on the spectrum of things. And by the end of that episode, you know, he basically, you know, buries that where he's like, look, we're, we're going to send Hugh back and he's going to be an individual and that conceivably may screw up the Borg's plans, but he's not going to send him back as a weapon of mass destruction just to blow up a Borg cube or whatever. And it's like, well, that's, that, to, to me, like, he made his decision, he came to peace with what, what he was deciding, and, and the, the whole premise of his character arc in First Contact is like him taking a massive step backwards to have that arc in the first place. It's kind of like, you know, if Wolverine goes around and leads the X-Men and does all these cool things in Fall of the Mutants, but then, you know, the next month he's back to being, uh, a crazy berserker, you know, Incredible Hulk 340 notwithstanding, you know, like, like, you know, for no good reason, it, it, it's kind of like, that's, I don't know, like, like that, that's a kind of continuity thing in terms of people's character arcs, not like the way a Klingon looks or, or, or the way Zephram Cochran looks or whatever, but those are the kind of things that always drove me up the wall. And like, I, I guess as long as, you don't see those characters. I mean, I'm never going to have a problem with Tilly's character arc. I don't know Tilly from Squat. I mean, the, the only thing that I kind of think that's funny about her is she's got all these big dreams and aspirations, and she seems like a mental head case. It, it seems like they're trying to appeal to that, that generation you're talking about, where it's like, oh, guess what? all you young basket cases out there, even though you're a basket case and, and you really have no real talent for command, it's okay, because one day you'll be a captain, you know? And I'm just kind of like, are you for real? Like, has she really shown any, like, kind of insight or or capability to, to do that other than just having that goofy desire to want to be in the captain's chair? But it's like I, you know, I don't know. Like, like maybe, maybe the character you know, will prove me wrong. But, but it kind of cracks me up because I'm, I'm never gonna feel bad about where they go with Tilly. But if they, I, I guess, just to finish my thought, when they introduce like Harry Mud or Sarek or or characters like that, you know, it's like it's like what happens when you know, I don't know, uh, 
Worf's ancestor, you know, D.A. Worf, or whatever his name was, shows up on, on this, you know, in season three of Discovery, then I might kind of go, oh, well, I, I have opinions about this now. You know, whereas if, if they, if they introduce characters like, like Saru, like, I, I really liked Saru. Like, I, yeah. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a cool addition to the cast. Like, I was actually, you know, it's funny. I was kind of butthurt they did not make him the fucking captain at the end of the show. Like, you know, you're, you're starting to touch on something that I, I kind of wanted to get into, too. But, like, when I first started watching this series and I was kind of like, I don't know, miffed about it, I was like, who are these people? You know, like the Jerry Seinfeld thing, like, who are these people? <laughs> I was like, why should I care about any of them? Because they're all kind of like screwed up in their own little way. I'm like, they're kind of not likable, especially Burnham. I was like. Why should I care about her? She's she's kind of got problems. Like after like serving with Joe jo for seven years, all of a sudden she's like, "We're gonna do this my way," and she like she basically commits mutiny and she like stunts her and like gives her own commands while she's like KO'd in her bridge and stuff. I'm like, this is the main character, but like the more I got into the series, I started to care about the characters a bit more. I think. At the end of the series, I know you were like kind of making fun of it because like everybody gets the medal. It's like everyone gets the participation medal. Yes, Yay! Yes. And like I kind of hate that kind of thing. But I kind of feel like the characters, most of them came a very long way from where we see them at the beginning of the series. And I really like yeah. that, especially yeah. Saru because Saru, when, he's the, when we see him as first officer of Discovery, he is still kind of – I don't want to say wimpy or cowardly, but he's kind of uneasy or he's not very quick to like make a decision. He, he, he was a character. I think, I mean, they even tried to establish this, that it was a genetic thing. Like it had to mm -hmm. do with his species, like right. that they could sense fear and everything. And and you got the idea that he, he, he was always uncomfortable and, and not confident in, right. in taking a strong, decision and as the series progresses like he he overcomes you know for lack of a better term that genetic programming you know like he yeah. he excels like and 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 by the end of it you feel like he is a an interesting and dynamic and three-dimensional character and that's probably you know in in some degree due to doug jones you know because he's the person portraying that character you know and and then on top of that you could you know you may be able to attribute it to to some of the writing, you know, which I don't know, maybe, but you know, like that, but th those are some things where you're like, Hey, look, I, I like this character. I, I think it, it's interesting to, for, in terms of, of having like a, a species you've never seen before, but also not, not just to have the new species just to have it, but that this character has sort of endeared himself to you and, and feels you know, like, like he's made his bones with me as, as this crusty longtime fan who probably isn't open to a whole lot of new at this point in his life, right? And, and, and I'd say a lot of people in this cast kind of, you know, like I'd say him and Stamets probably had some of the best character arcs, right? Like for, for me personally. But I think, you know, characters like Tilly and, and some of the other supporting characters, like you were talking about the, the lady who they couldn't decide whether she was a, synthesoid or a, a, a 
I don't know, an alien or, or whatever she was. Like, she, she didn't really have too many lines. But, you know, that, the, that whole when they all stand up, they're like, I am Starfleet. Like, if you went around that room, that circle, I couldn't tell you who half those guys are. Like, there's the, there's the one, uh, helmsman lady who, who's, who's frequently there and gets chewed out a bunch. But I, do I know her that well? Do I care about her? Like, uh, I gotta be honest, like, probably not, you know, like, like, and then there's the other helmsman lady who, you you, you I guess conceivably may or may not feel bad for her because she got injured in that, that fight where Burnham did the whole mutiny and she, she's kind of like what the, like, cyber willow, for lack of a better term. I can't, <laughs> I can't think of, you know, that, that's, she, she, that actress reminds me of, of Allison Hannigan, but like with a little cyber implant on her eye or whatever. And it's like, okay, fine. I can, it, it, it's just some of those characters kind of feel like when, like, image comics, like specifically like awesome studios or somebody would try to design, like, team books and it's like okay larry like what do we you know it's like what do we do well this is a cool guy they all got big muscles it's like okay we can't distinguish them that way but it's like what do their helmets look like like do they have pouches like do they do they have big guns or little guns do they have energy axes do they have this and that like you know do they have armor or are they chicks it's like what color is their hair you know it's like oh great well they all look like you know big muscle bound big boob you know, whatever, right? But it's like, oh, great. Well, if one's hair is blue and one's hair is purple, we'll be able to tell them apart, you know? And it's like, so they've got all these, like, people on this bridge. And it's like, guess what? Look, there's the there's the, the black dude who's the communications guy. Whew! Well, I can tell them apart from, you know, the, the Asian guy who looks up every now and then really concerned in a sweat, you know? And it's like, oh, great. And that's that's really different from, you know, uh, poor man's Allison Hannigan with the, like, cyber thing on her eye, you know? And it's like, okay, great. I can tell them all apart. Do I care about any of them? I uh, I don't know. I don't think so. It, like Derek, if if Lorca was really badass, he would have gave everyone pouches. Lorca, see, that's the other thing. Like, like I'll I'll uh, I'll just briefly say on this. Like, I guess was I always supposed to know that Lorca was a bad guy because he was you know he played a Malfoy on fucking Harry Potter. Was that was that I was supposed to think he was he was a nasty son of a bitch just because of that? Like, or 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 you know maybe because I'm supposed to be of a a certain you know political opinion or something like that just because he was all about winning the war. I was supposed to with the Klingons. I was supposed to like think he was a bad, like, shady human being or something like that. Like, I, I don't think I ever bought into any of that. Like, I kind of liked where Lorca was coming from most of the time. He seemed like to be a hard taskmaster, but somebody who was doing it for a reason. And then the spin that he was actually the mirror Lorca, I guess, is supposed to maybe assuage anybody who had that you know, the Federation, you know, are a bunch of good guys and they don't do nefarious things and, and they're, they're held to this lofty high moral standard where, you know, nobody, nobody stands on the back of anybody else to, to accelerate their own betterment. You know, nobody kills anybody or does anything nefarious or, or what have you. But I mean, I, I thought, I thought it would have been more interesting had he not been from the mirror universe in terms of his character, but it seems like, you know, you know what's interesting was, I, I feel like, uh, that, like, the, the, this was the way to bamboozle the non-millennial audience into paying attention to this show at all, where it's like, look, guess what, like, millennial audience, like, we'll have you start out with Captain Georgiou, like, check this out, like, it's this cool, like, level-headed Asian captain. 
And then when they all get butt hurt, that she dies within like the first two episodes, and then they introduce you know this this British actor who's playing a you know Texan kind of Southern kind of militaristic shady quote-unquote commander who's willing to do whatever it takes to win the war with the Klingons. It's like, even though he's kind of interesting and, and, and you, you'd probably get behind his motives if for anything else not to have, you know, everybody in the Federation speaking Klingon, you know, like, you basically go through this whole arc with him only to find out he was the evil version of that character. You assume the good version, quote-unquote, of that character is dead, even though you never see it. When they finally get rid of him, they bring back Michelle Yeoh. So then they've kind of... it's it's It was almost like one of those things where it's like, okay, we'll, we'll give you a totally diverse cast. Oh, wait, we're not going to do that? Oh, wait, we really are. We really are. We're, you know, we, we totally, we, we, we fooled you twice, like, kind of thing. Fooled you, you know, fooled you about fooling you. Yes, basically. Like, that, that's kind of, that's kind of the way I took it. And I, I guess my, my, my thing is now, like, if Saru's not going to be the really for reals captain, and Giorgio's not going to be the really for reals captain, and, you know, obviously Burnham is not going to be the captain, I'm just like, well, who is going to be the captain? You know, like, like, and then, and then does, does it turn into one of these things where if, if that person is just another name actor and they have to come up with some crazy backstory for them? Okay, fine. But we've seen that with two different captains now. So that's kind of boring. So my, my fear is like, what if they're like, oh, Spock's going to get like a command for like two minutes or whatever. And then they have like Spock be the captain on, on the discovery for like two seconds or something like that. And then they go, fooled you. He's going back with Pike. And then it's like, you know, I don't know. Then Saru's the captain for most of the season or something. I don't know. But you know, it's like, yeah, I'm kind of sitting there going, well, at least they have me wondering and contemplating. I mean, that, that at least shows that I, I have some kind of vested interest in, in in the future of the the show and everything but i i just thought that was worth bringing up because i i did feel like it was one of those things where they rubber banded and tried to bamboozle you and then bamboozle you again you know like kind of thing it's like it's funny you you asked me about that when they they did the reveal of of Giorgio as the the terran emperor and and a lot of people were like oh we totally saw that coming and you asked me about it and i i had to be honest with you and i was like you know, I, I was like, I kind of forgot about her, like, because they killed her in the first two episodes. Like, I, I totally forgot about her. I guess in hindsight, it should have been completely obvious. I kind of I, I kind of felt like the twist with Asher was a little more obvious than the Giorgio thing. But I could see how both could conceivably be obvious. Do you have any any thoughts on those twists and or reveals one way or the other? The uh, Lieutenant Tyler thing I thought was pretty obvious. I think. I feel like there were a lot of, you know, quote unquote mysteries that they had built into the show that, you know, most fans figured out pretty early on. So I, I was like, oh, I bet the writers are like kicking themselves, you know, like they probably thought they were like, you know, clever girl, like writing this shit. You know, it's like, we'll make the Klingon guy really the other guy. And, you know, it'll be shocking. And pe people people figured that out pretty early on because there was this picture floating around where, you know, you took like a screenshot of Bach and you took a screenshot of like Tyler and you kind of put them together split screen wise and it you know the facial features lined up and I was like 
okay, I can get behind that. That seems pretty obvious. And then there were some there were some other things too where like I think they inadvertently early on in the production of the series, they let it slip that this actor was playing the Klingon and then they said, Oh no, it's actually this other guy. This guy is gonna play this guy named Tyler. And people were saying, uh, is that like a rope dope kind of thing? Like maybe they like already showed their hand and they were like, Oh, we're not supposed to show her hand. We gotta like you know, make up you know, some guy. I, yeah, I think they well, actually had, you know they what attributed Vok to like some made up guy or student. No, no, you, you know you know what it was is that the the actor who plays Ash and plays Vok is it, I, I'm trying to remember his name, but it's it, it's the same guy who remember the guy who played Doctor Jekyll on Penny Dreadful. Mm -hmm. It's it's the same guy, right? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. And so, I he looked familiar. so so his background, he's he's like Scottish, English, and Pakistani, mm -hmm. and so so that's his background, right? And so so I I think what they did was when they inadvertently revealed his name as Valk, they tried to play it off. And again, this goes back to what I think is the arrogance. Like, we're so much smarter than you. We can fool you even after we <laughs> fucked up. But they, they they tried to attribute it to, oh, oh, no, we're sorry. His father is playing the Klingon. And 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 this 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 other actor is playing Ash Tyler. So, so they tried to like spin it like, oh, no, 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 it's a, it's a different guy. But they had already sort of fucked up and, and revealed it anyway, I think, at that point. But, you know, and I, I, I found it's weird. I don't, I mean, I, I know there's a lot of people that like just hate the way the Klingons looked and, and, and what was going on with it. Like, I thought the idea of the, this kind of albino Klingon that's kind of like ostracized within a society that has all these different houses and already has a predisposed kind of ostracization, I guess, for lack of a better term. You know, like, I, I found that kind of interesting and the fact that they would all turn to him at some point as the torchbearer and the leader. And, like, I, I thought that could have been a really interesting conversation, although it seemed like they always had to have them speaking Klingon all the time, which kind of could get on your nerves after a while you know like I, like dothraki all the time yeah yeah and 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 you know i guess again pro probably trying to appeal to that game of thrones audience right mm -hmm. but but i i felt like that i mean maybe it, it's too much a, a clone of of game of thrones because if if uh if valk is mother of dragons in our analogy here and and I'm sitting here still bitching and whining like why has Mother of Dragons not done anything worthwhile <laughs> in seven seasons? Like yeah. like I, I I feel like I am I, I am as much enticed by Valk as I was by Mother of Dragons. Like that that could have gone somewhere really really cool. Yet I bet you they could drag it out for seven seasons and Valk could have done absolutely nothing worthwhile. And then. I mean, they almost, to me, like, this whole, you know, him being an infiltrator, like, almost kind of sabotages that in and of itself. It's like, how can he ever live up to any potential if if he's now grafted, has this human skin grafted on him? I mean, that that was something, like, internal continuity that baffled me about the show, where it's like, I get the premise that the Klingons 
basically are like, we want to preserve our race and our culture. Like, we do not like these outside races, specifically the, you know, homogenous federation. We, we don't want to be absorbed. We don't want to have our, our, you know, cultural notions, you know, dissipated because we're serving this greater, quote-unquote, good of of exploration and diversity and yada 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 right and like i could kind of get behind that and understand that but then there'd be these like nuances where you'd see and and maybe this is just true of of any any societal structure and or culture that you point to and and there's going to be internal hypocrisy and all that stuff but i just thought it was funny it's like wait so you don't believe in that but then you believe in it enough that you're gonna crush your own bones and structure to look like a human to infiltrate like i mean wouldn't that like be anathema if you really really believed in the the religious piety and or purity of you know being a klingon like like, 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 that's the kind of thing that always, like, weirded me out, where I was just kind of like, or, 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 like, it was the way I always felt that this might be a strange tangent, but I always thought it was a funny thing that Spawn looks like hamburger meat. He looks so bad, he's got to live in an alley with homeless bums, but he's got this limit, limited power. And one of the things he does with that limited power, which is something that I thought was great that they excised out of virtually every film and cartoon adaptation of it, but I think, I forget what issue it is, but there's an issue where basically he uses the power so he can go back and take a look at his grandma, his wife, and his little daughter and just check up on them and make sure he's good, but he doesn't want to show up looking like hamburger meat, so he says, oh, I wonder if I could use my powers to make myself look human. And he can, but dun-dun-dun, it turns out it makes him white, not black. And, like, it's almost like he's disgusted by that, or just it just feels wrong to him somehow, because that's not who he is. And, like, there, there's a certain part of it where you could understand that, possibly. Like, you could kind of relate to that. But then there's another part of me that's, like, the practical part like, the practicality part, where it's like, who gives a shit? Like, couldn't you just have stopped right then and there and just explained everything and, like, put up with the fact that you had blonde hair and white skin and had a happily ever after and fuck Mel Bolgia and the devil? Like, you could have done that, right? Like, if that was an option. And, like, like it's one of those things where it's kind of funny. Like, you, you start to wonder the same thing about Ash Tyler. Like, couldn't they just... Him and Michael Burnham just stay together, but instead they do this thing, and this is what I wanted to not forget, because this is something that reminded me of, like, oh, remember that time in the motion picture when Decker and Ilea like, went off to go, like, with V'ger and go have V'ger babies or whatever they did? <laughs> it's like, it's like, well, it, it almost feels like they Ilea'd and Decker did Laurel and, and Ash, where it's like, we're not interesting enough to like stay on the actual crew, but we'll we'll go, you know, join, you know, go join feature and the carbon unit. You know, like they're gonna go off to 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 Kronos or whatever and, and do that, you know, whatever they're planning on doing on 
Kronos or whatever. And like, like, and, and did I miss a beat on something? Like, even though I thought that whole sequence where Michelle Yeoh beams down and they, they hang out in that Orion slave encampment or whatever, and they're trying to get all this information and plant the bomb and all this other nonsense. I'm like, if Klingons are into such racial purity, why is there an Orion like slave yeah, ambassador thing on Kronos? Like that didn't yeah. I mean if it was somewhere else and they had the Death Star plans for whatever convenient reason, I might have been more accepting of it. Like, you know, some moon, uh, you know, some Orion slave moon that, you know, trades there all the time. So they have like the schematics to like where to drop the bomb. Like I I might have been more forgiving of that, but the fact that it's like this little ambassadorship but yet they're going to war over like keeping you know keeping chronos pure you know it's like i don't know that that seemed like a, a big stretch to me or you know that there's a lot more internal hypocrisy than we realize going on on you know the home world or whatever but you know i don't know like the, 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 those are some of the things that that occurred to me as i was you know, as I I was watching those those shows, but what I guess I I don't know maybe maybe just a lead into the maybe sort of wrapping up at the end. Uh, it, I I was thinking of like, what do you think is going to happen next season? Like, do you think Spock is on the ship with Pike at this point? Like, should he? I mean, be? like he should be. Yes, you know? if if you if you follow the old. I guess like oldie and moldy history. Mystery yeah, yeah. Timers, I mean, conceivably like... he should be on that ship, right? Yeah, but, yeah. you know, again, reading stupid shit on Twitter, I read some stuff, and I don't know if they're, like, hedging their bets or, or what, because they said Spock might not even show up, like, we might not see him. And I was like, well, what was the point of, like, specifically keeping Sarek on the ship? Because he was like, we're going to give you a lift back to Vulcan, Sarek. And Sarek's like, oh, cool. So, like, wouldn't you want to have Sarek and Spock and Burnham meet because they're all family? Like that, that would be an interesting interaction because at this point, like Spock and Sarek are still not getting along. Like they didn't reconcile till Journey of Babel in the original series. But yeah, like it, he should be there as far as like what'll happen. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like we'll probably see Captain Pike in some capacity. I don't know if he'll be um, the actor from, you know, the first Abrams film. What's his name? Shit. Oh, um, he voices Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bruce Greenwood. Bruce Greenwood. There you go. Yeah, I'm like, I don't, you know, can they get Bruce Greenwood for like a two parter or something? Like, I don't know. Like, I I think that would be pretty cool. I I I can't imagine them spending money on building a new version of the Enterprise set. You know, like their own version, because that would be a lot of money. Like, I I can just imagine like. Pike and some people from the Enterprise that we probably never met before will like beam over and he's gonna be like, Oh, Saru, like we got some problems and then they go have an adventure. But yeah, I I don't I don't know. Why I'm because I'm like, are we gonna see Pike? Like could we see like number one and they'll recast someone as number one or, or maybe we'll I mean, I think we should see Spock and then they can get into this whole like family thing because I don't know. It just it always felt weird to me that like Burnham is Spock's adopted sister. Yeah, that that does that does seem like something where you you somehow it would have come up 
over the years. You know, like that that, that wouldn't have been something yeah. that just nobody ever discussed and or talked about. I mean, unless, you know, like somewhere along the way they you know, Shaniqua Martin Green decides her contract is up and they they let her go out in a blaze of glory or something, and then you might be able to rationalize, you know, why she's never discussed and or seen, you know, if they if they pull a a Rogue One or a Rebels with her character or something like that. But yeah. otherwise, I, I can't see why that would never be brought up in casual conversation and everything. I, for season two, I hope they have like a bitter wrangle on their storytelling because I, I feel like I was kind of into this whole Klingon war thing. And then that was interrupted by the Mirror Universe it's like we had we got it like a story within a story. It's like we couldn't decide which one of these stories to go with, so we'll just do them both at the same time. And it feels like they kind of like pushed the Klingon War aside for, I don't know, four or five episodes, and then they kind of like got back to it. I'm like, we, you should have just like went with one and then saved the other for season two or something. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's weird. It seems like they kind of squashed the whole Klingon War thing. So I'm like wondering, you know, I guess my mandate would be like, well, live up to your your name, you know, go out and discover some shit, you know, like like go out and explore and and do the, you know, space final frontier thing and 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 maybe run into some of these these high concept, you know, quantum realities and and you know, planets with spores and 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 things that they they sort of touched on but didn't i mean you know if you're going to if you're going to play up the the spore drive thing you know you know maybe venture out you know and and it doesn't have to be necessarily the the mirror universe you know that they could go to other alternate realities that have nothing to do with the mirror universe or play up the idea that does section 31 come from you know, I mean, I remember there was speculation like, is Lorca part of Section Thirty One? Not is Lorca the yeah. the mirror universe guy and things like that? You know, so like there there are other things that that you could conceivably you know play with throughout I, the course of the the series. I, I could see the mirror JoJo uh, joining Section Thirty One and working for them because mm, like, mm. what is she gonna do? She's gonna like run around and have threesomes, and then she's gonna gonna get bored or something. So I could see like. Section 31 going like, hey, like, you had a good plan there, like, blowing up Kronos. Like, why don't you come work for us, girl? Like, we got similar backgrounds. We're shady and kind of evil, too, and we'll do whatever it takes. And she's going to be like, okay, I'm kind of bored. <laughs> like, do, do you think in, in season two, like, we'll see the really for reals Lorca show up? See, the that that was something that I was trying to wonder is – you know, I, I think my dad had asked me because he's like, well, you know, what what happened to that original Lorca? And, and I was kind of like, well, I assumed like and, and this this could be my problem because I made an assumption. But I was assuming that if he was transported from an exploding ship, that that meant that the real Lorca was transported to the exploding ship. But that's not necessarily the case, right? Like, yeah. conceivably, he, so, you know, it, it, it's it's Star Trek. If they want to, you know, come up with a reason why they, they want him back, you know, conceivably the real Lorca could show up. He could have been in hiding that whole time, you know, and there could be some cockamamie reason why he came back to the real universe, you know? So, yeah, I mean, the, the, I, I think they definitely left it open for that to be a possibility. They've not closed any doors or anything as far as that goes i mean i think i think the only other thing that 
that that you could do with that character at that point is have you know have the good one show up again. I mean, if you if you do go down the route of the whole you know uh, Captain Giorgio does the Section Thirty One thing, you know it could be like one of the twists, shock, you know, mid season things is then then you've got like you know the real Lorca shows up and is like ah 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 I know what's been going on or whatever and <laughs> it's supposed to be this shocking you know dun 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 you know like conceivably you could do something like that you know but um I you know I I don't know I mean I I guess I guess it's a fine line to to toe but I mean they're they're they held my attention for the third you know the the 15 or so episodes that they had. I mean, like I said, some of them were more exploratory than others. You know, I, I think they, it's funny. Cause I, I, I kind of think like in some ways it's, it's disappointing in terms of a story structure that, that you didn't have a, a finality to the war and that, that, you know, there, there wasn't like some big all out climactic battle that sort of definitively ended it. But instead it's almost like they put this, conceivably a puppet government into place which probably is more realistic than anything given the you know it, w whatever real world political you know kind of illusions that you want to to sort of overlap with with a fictional show or whatever you know like that's probably the most realistic end scenario that you could have for the time being you know so it seems like okay Lorel's gonna go off and do her own thing and you know, it's like, you, you kind of feel like that's kind of tenuous, though. It's like, how, uh, you know, how in line can she keep the planet with a bomb at the core? I mean, is she going to walk around with that thing for the rest of her freaking emperorship or whatever? You know, like, I don't know. But, you know, I guess I guess we'll see what happens. But, you know, they, they've introduced some of the established races as well, you know, like where they had the Andorians and, and different characters like that. So conceivably, like, we could run into and see some some of the other you know, established races that we've seen. And, and since they're willing to play with things like the mirror universe, there's nothing to say we, we can't see other like familiar things show up, whether there's, you know, who knows, you know, Trelanes or Q's running around or something like that. You know, like we, there, there could be a number of fun things that they, they go into if, if they want to, but you know, I'd be just as happy if it was a bunch of original stuff where I had no preconceived notions. I mean, in fact, I might, I may prefer that because it might allow me to, you know, handle the letting go of of continuity a, a little easier if if there's nothing for me to to point back to and go, it's not the same as this, you know. Yeah, like I said, I think that was my problem early on, up, up to like the mid season finale. I was just jumping through hoops and trying to figure this shit out, and I was pretty grumpy about it. And I think the the more time went on. I kind of just started to let go of more and more of that stuff, and I kind of got into the characters a bit more because I could see that they they were changing and they were going through their own struggles and they were developing. They were becoming likable. You know, it's funny you said you thought Giorgio coming to her own when she was evil. I kind of thought Tilly started to shine when she was pretending to be evil. That's why okay. you know, that's why she's okay. my avatar. I was okay. like, oh, that's that's kind of fun because you take you kind of take the I don't know the weird wacky character with Asperger's and who's always nervous and shit. And you take her and you have, she has to pretend to be like the captain of a ship. Not only that, she has to pretend to be like super evil and hardcore. And you know, she's like the slayer of a hundred worlds. Her nickname was captain Killy. And she has to like convincingly do that. And I was like, well, that's, 
that's pretty interesting that you would kind of like make this kind of wimpy uh, character do that. And I thought, I don't know, I kind of thought Tilly earned her medal at the end, Derek. Like it wasn't participation. <laughs> okay. But, um, but yeah, like I, I think the characters kind of won me over. The stories pretty much, except for, like I said, I thought the Mirror Universe interrupted the whole Klingon thing. Like that, maybe that should have been its own thing. And I, I enjoyed the Harry Mudd episode, but like the only the only negative thing I have to say about the Harry Mudd episode was it was fun, but like when he was just like straight up murdering everyone over and over, I was like, dude, like that's not Harry Mudd. Like Harry Mudd's like a con artist and a, a shyster. He's not like a straight up murder you guy. Like, uh, you know whatever like that's, that's no, no, more no, like... no no i get it i mean yeah. like that's that i i think that's fair i mean I, I think that's a fair criticism it's like i think people just got off on the idea of you know i've killed Lorca 40 times isn't this witty and clever like that that yeah. it started with that not with you know and then and then somewhere along the way somebody said hey why don't we make this hairy mud it'll be so awesome and all those old codgers will get into it or whatever, you know, and, 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 you know, but I, I don't know that that's the case, but you know, yeah, that's. Well, I, I guess for this, uh, somewhat old codger, like, I guess they kind of like did pull me into it. Although, you know, I, I feel like I'm wise to most of their tricks. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, just, you know, come on, get like, get to the point. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, you're like, um, your ship and your show is called discovery. You gonna like discover anything? No. Okay. <laughs> like that's I'm like, I'm like I'm with you. Like discover some stuff. Like go, go do some new things. Like get away from like Mirror Universe and Klingon War. Like that shit was fun. That's fine. Have like a two-parter adventure with the Enterprise and Captain Pike. Whatever. And then go like do some new things. Like show me some new aliens and some new stories and some new adventures. And you know what? Like you said. It is just really nice to have Star Trek back because even you know even though we were kind of harsh on Voyager and we have been since we started this podcast like I was kind of thinking back I was like you know what even though I wasn't crazy about Voyager when it was on the air like it was still fun to just sit down and watch Star Trek because it was usually even if it was a bad episode you you know and people were turning into lizards or whatever and you're just like okay this is like no, this is new. Like I've never seen this before. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I, I, uh, you know, I, I will fully admit I watched Voyager on a regular basis, and it was something that I typically looked forward to as far as having a Star Trek show on the air. And 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 I, I think the same can be said for Enterprise and 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 this show. I think we are definitely in a day and age where, you know, and I think enterprise proved it where, you know, they, they don't have four seasons to find their sea legs. Like a lot of these other syndicated star Trek shows though. And, yeah. you know, you, it's like, you kind of got to come out swinging and, and hit it out of the park as soon as you possibly can. I mean, I think that's why they, they probably stuck the mirror universe stuff in this season because they 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 were hedging their bets and and said okay well if the Klingon war doesn't grab them then the mirror thing's gonna grab them you know and and I, you know I I think for that like I I have to admit like I mean maybe I'm a mark for it or whatever because because I think I think that aspect did grab me I liked all the the weird kind of phaser fight sequencing when they're trying to like 
you know, find the breaking point and the shields and, you know, all, all the kind of action that was going on in, in that section. I mean, th those kind of things I thought were entertaining. I mean, I don't, I don't begrudge the show for, for trying to have those moments, you know, and, and, you know, they can still go out and, and, you know, search for new life and new civilizations. But if, if they have more cool, you know, space dog fights or, you know, cool, you know, phaser fights and stuff. And, and they, they actually have kind of like a strategic way to, to break down shields and different things like they did in that, the, the mirror universe episodes, I'm, you know, I'm all for that as well. So, I mean, you know, like I, I guess, you know, for, for my final thoughts, for the most part, I enjoyed the show. I liked watching it week after week. And I, I think for any of the criticisms that I had, they're not strong enough that it's made me say, I've got to log out. You know, I, it never, yeah. it never got to the point where I was like, dude, I'm out. I'm done. I can't do this. Like, it's not, it's not super girl, you know, like, so, <laughs> you know, like it's like, I'm, I'm still here, you know, like I'm still watching. So, you know, like that, that kind of stuff, it's like, all right, good. Like, I, and, and, and I'm kind of happy about that. And, um, I guess I'll, I'll, you know, I'll eagerly look forward to uh, the next season. All right. Well, uh, I think that kind of wraps up this episode of Fan Holes. If you guys have any questions, comments, and or concerns, you can reach us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed listening to this proper Fan Holes podcast show, we hope you enjoy checking out our backlog of episodes there. And we, of course, have plenty of other spinoff shows. We've got Mobile Suit Mondays, Transformers Tuesdays, Toku Thursdays, Sentai Saturdays, Big in Japan, where we talk about anime, comics, motherfucker, do you read them? And Justice Not Entirely Dissimilar to Lightning, a Thunderbolts podcast. So if you have enjoyed listening to this show, we hope you check out the other spinoff shows as well. And we, of course, appreciate all the likes, feedback, retweets on all the crazy social media that we're on. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're on iTunes. We can be streamed on Stitcher Radio. And I think that'll do it. So until the next time, this is Derek, Derek WC. Kabla! Signing off. This is Justin. I am Starfleet. And I got my little medal in my pouches. Dude, I'm dead, but I have a medal. That's great. I, I, Derek, I'm like, I have been and always shall be your co-host. <laughs> Spunk! I was uh, doing some research. You know that, like, I don't know, cyborg or robot chick on the bridge? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I was trying to find out more about her, and apparently it's, like, like 
the people who write the show don't even know what she is because they're like the the thing that like irritates you it's like twitter's not canon well like apparently like the one of the producers tweeted that she's like a synthetic human or something and then on that stupid after trick show they said that she's just an alien and then they went back again and said, oh, she's an augmented human. I was like, the people who write the damn show don't even know what she is. So I um, I don't know. I, I was thinking when you said that they said on Twitter that she was a synthetic human. I am, I have, I have like these visions of like the legion of, of data fans and that crazy Brent Spiner file chick, like getting onto Twitter and going, no, data is the first and only, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. 